All right, forgive me if my voice is not completely here. I'll do my best. Hello, everybody. Romans chapter 13 is where we are. Um, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. It's only 14 verses. And then uh, we will officially back it up at verse 3. All right. So Romans 13 verse 1. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. All right, sounds like what Jesus said to Caesar, or not Caesar, Pilate. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he doesn't bear the sword in vain. Um, he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. I pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let's cast off the works um, of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, uh, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. All right. I'm sure you guys already have questions and comments and points you'd like to make. Here's what we'll do. If you guys have something to share or a question, uh, put your hand up in the chat, that little hand emoji, or say, raise hand, or do King James, raise it to the hand, and then uh, we will call on you in order. Okay, so back it up to Romans 13, verse 3, okay? And we'll specifically um, <clears throat> kind of talk around this verse. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then just do what is good. And you'll receive approval because he's God's servant for your good. Um, and this, of course, falls under the umbrella of governing authorities, government, those who carry the authority of God. It is borrowed. Um, any questions, points, anything you'd like to mention about that? If not, we'll move on because it's pretty straightforward. If it seems like I'm trying to rush through the government section, subconsciously I am. But I'm also trying not to. Good plan. Because <laughs> it can get real <laughs> dicey. It can get real dicey if you spend too long real in quick. the territory. <laughs> Hello. All right. So I love God and Jesus. Has their hand up? His hand up? Go ahead. You should be able to unmute yourself. I love God and Jesus, which, by the way, great username. Good to have you here. If you'd like to share, go ahead. Why do people hate God? Uh, the short answer is sin. Short answer is sin. Oh. Rebellion, unbelief. Um, anything you want to ask about? Um, 
the passage of scripture we're reading through. I probably should have clarified. I mean, questions are welcome, of course, but um, preferably questions that are on topic to what we're talking about, the passage we're reading. What about governments that are against Christianity and will kill Christians? See, that's why I didn't want to spend too long in this text. I was hoping those questions wouldn't be asked. And yet here we are. All right. Grogu said he'd answer this. Uh, he, he actually wrote up a thesis. Um, so go ahead, Grogu. Uh, like Paul says, to live is beneficial for the people here. To die is gain. And yeah, God's going to allow some people to be in authority that are going to, whether you want to believe it or not, fit his purposes. Mm-hmm. The, the the train will move on, um, yep. and he will allow the enemy to put people in pow- place. Paul also mm-hmm. talks about the principalities and powers uh, mm-hmm. behind the rulers. And so that goes both ways. You have what seems like, if you want to be take a cynical point of view, a lot of evil principalities and powers behind a lot of the governments now in these days. And But there are also God's principalities and powers behind it. But it's a tough thing. It's one of those things you look at what's being described here in Romans 13. You look at our modern governments and say, uh, I, I don't think they're really in alignment with God's will. And you're mm-hmm. right. I would think that would be accurate to say, but they still fit a purpose. That's and right. Things in the case with us being in the last days, and I don't think that one's really up for argument. We're in the last days. The signs are there. And even evil rulers and governments are going to serve a purpose to get so bad that God's going to finally say, okay, it's time for me to step in and it's time for my rulership, which will be on the heels of believers, primarily remnant of Israel, praying, please return. We see you as our king. We're sorry. We want to be ruled by you, which God was always intended to be the ruler. That's right. God's going to drop his government. Remember uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Daniel interprets it. Right, the rock is going to crush every other lesser material and kingdom of this world. Jesus is going to absolutely <laughs> replace the kingdoms of this world. But until then, the question becomes: with you know, governing authorities, um, whether they're governors, presidents, um, kings, queens, those in power, um, we have to admit that they have been given a degree of power and authority by God. What they do with that is their decision, and there will be consequences should they abuse that and should they work against him in his kingdom. Or they can use that borrowed power and authority to actually align themselves with the kingdom of God and, you know, promote life and flourishing in the gospel. So, you know, just as much as breath is a gift, so is authority and power. I mean, Jesus looks straight at Pilate in the face, right? And he says, You would have no authority unless it was given to you by God. Even he admits it. He doesn't push back. Um, he admits that God instituted, raised up Pharaoh, right? Uh, to really show his power and humble Pharaoh in the sight of the nations. Um, everyone else who has authority and power that opposes God is going to be just like Pharaoh. And they're going to be raised up only to be humbled and made an example of. Um, but those who are aligned with God, right? We have lots of uh, pagan kings in the Old Testament that actually said yes to the God of Israel, and it went well for them. Um, so, our job is not to go well. Is the governing authorities over me um, obeying God or not? My job is to say, Am I following Jesus? And if they tell me to do something that is contrary to following Christ, if it compromises my values, well, my allegiance to uh, the government only goes as far as it um, as Scripture allows. Right? Once it violates Scripture and my moral values, and I'm no longer honoring God by obeying the government, that's where I stop. Um, so, Christina with 300 H's. Good evening. Good to see you. I feel like I've never seen you at a Thursday chat. I'm just kidding. It's just been a while. Good evening. It has been a while, and I'm on break from work, so I. My schedule's all thrown off. So now I'm in Thursday night instead of lunchtime. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, I think this is an interesting topic because um, I threw this in the chat real quick, but I'm reading like 
I'm reading out of the KJV because I'm weird. And um, <laughs> I've never thought of this section as referring to, um, well, it says, it says like authorities in the King James Version, but I think it says governments and other in the translation you just read from. And I've never actually thought of this section as being talking about government as in like the man-made government as opposed to like rulers and authorities in the context of like the church. So um, I guess I have a question. Uh, I skimmed through the chapter to see if I like, again, it's KJV, so it's a little different but I skimmed through the, through the context real quick to see like, oh, maybe it is clearly talking about government, but I didn't see it. So I guess my question is, why, why does this, uh, how does this fit um, talking about like the government of a nation? As how does opposed verse to, seven read, sorry, how does verse seven read for you in KJV? It says, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to him, tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What about verse, um, how does your verse four read? And tell me what that sounds like it's describing. It says, in the middle of a sentence, it says, for he is the minister of God to be for good, mm-hmm. which to me sounds like a church context. Mm-hmm. But let me just read it through. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Hmm. So things to think police in the word for servant uh, in verse, sorry, I know we probably have other people I'm not looking right now, but trying to help out with this uh, where it talks about for he is for it is a servant in verse four. That is the Mm -hmm. same word diakonos or where we get deacon as well, which can also mean minister. Mm-hmm. So I can see where there can be some crossover. I, I don't think it's necessarily incorrect to read it that way. I think it, is, it could be a, what I would call a duality in this. Um, but let's see, governing authorities. Because he ended chapter 12 by saying, don't overcome, don't become over, don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. And then he transitions into the governing authorities that be, uh, that will be sometimes of the beast um, and take on the antichrist kind of DNA. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when I read this, it's uh, those authorities that carry a sword and give just retribution and avenge, um, you know, go- carry out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Um, and then the whole taxes Verse 6 and 7 talks about paying taxes to whom um, they are owed, kind of like what Jesus says to, to Peter or, or to the, um, the people who are trying to trap Jesus. And they say, should we give tribute to Caesar? Or, you know, should we serve God? And he goes, well, render to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what's God's. Um, verse 6 and 7 has that kind of flavor. So I think when you combine the, <clears throat> all those different ideas, it paints a picture of governing authorities. Um, that are overseeing, uh, whether it's like smaller cities, nations, of course, you know, there's different um, sections of that. But yeah, I think the idea and the wisdom principle, whether you apply it to governing authorities or church authority, right? It's the same. It's, it's, it's this, um, don't be overcome with evil, um, but do what is good. And at the end of the day, do what uh, doesn't violate conscience 
do what honors God, do what promotes love, um, and respect the authority God has given to said person who is overseeing. So I think you're right in, in saying that, yeah, this could totally be of church authority, church leadership. Um, but I don't know, I've always read it as like, uh, yeah, those governing authorities. Because <clears throat> I don't know many pastors that carry a sword around and deliver justice, um, avenge God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That's not necessarily a role of like a shepherd or a minister or a church, you know, authority figure. Uh, that's left. Could be up. a trend you set. <laughs> what would you say? I said that it could be a trend you set, though. It could be a trend. Every live stream now, I'm going to carry a sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've never seen um, a literal minister of God carrying a sword, but, <laughs> you know, the sword of the spirit, like, <laughs> the word of God, like, those, those come to my mind when it says sword. <laughs> That's just right. You know. And then if it but, is talking about church authorities, the question becomes, uh, verse 6 and 7, why, why bring up taxes? What the heck does that have to do with me respecting my pastor? Yeah, it, this is like changing, this is like not changing, but like challenging a lot of things because the tribute to me <laughs> brings up a tithing imagery. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to tithing right now. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I know you didn't yeah. want to talk about governance. Hey, since you I'm can't join us on lunch break anymore, I'm changing yeah. the nickname from lunch break. <laughs> to what did we call Jamble when he would just oh, open up the can of worms? I'm gonna oh give him God. your nickname. No, someone's gotta do it. No, just kidding. Do it. That's right. Spiritual <laughs> gift of just um, opening a can of worms. Oh my gosh, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> but I, I mean, no promises. Bring up an interesting perspective for sure. Just that I, that's so funny. Like I've never read this any other way except government and so and i yeah and i'm the opposite so yeah. i was like what is he talking about and then i read it i was like oh so sorry i yeah, don't want to yeah it's no, just because of the word used in translation in the king james that's why i posted the um the greek word that was used there i posted the definition for Ooh, let me see that. Dropping the Greek. Nice. Um, I don't see that, Josh. Where are you at? Interlinear so, for the hold Greek over word. one to stand out, rise above, over top to be oh, above. Yeah, okay. yeah. To be see superior it? in rank, authority, mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I said, like, I didn't want to sit on the government section as long, and I didn't at all think that it would go this direction. I just thought people get weird when they're like, well, how much do I got to listen to the government? You know, and everyone has such a strong opinion about that. But the, the point is like they miss, they, they, they like really focus on the micro details. They miss the whole bigger picture, which is don't be overcome by evil, right? Instead, love in the midst of evil that comes against you, even when it's on a governmental level. It's to love. It's to represent Jesus. It's to honor him. It's to not let your conscience be violated. It's to not compromise. And, you know, the church who's receiving this um, and Paul's writing this, I mean, the world is in quite a bit of disarray. Um, like the rulers and the authorities physically, they are not good people <laughs> during the time Paul mm -hmm. this. Um, <laughs> so it makes perfect sense that he's saying, Yep, governments can suck, huh? The beast is written all over it. Here's my encouragement that God has given authority, um, a borrowed authority and rule that they will have to answer for, and they'll be held accountable for what they do with it. Um, in the meantime, instead of fighting back, only do what promotes love and holiness and honors God and respect authorities, right, as far as it, doesn't compromise your values. 
giant. So like from a first Peter perspective, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more so. Yeah. Um, but this, it, so many rabbit holes here because then it's like, well, what if they're asking me to do something that, you know, I have an opportunity to evangelize and just be a small compromise and all these different questions. And um, let me get to Rocky Chan. His hand is so big, it's taken up the whole screen. It, that's how bad he wants to share. Go ahead, Godzilla. It's <laughs> Godzilla. Bruh, <laughs> usually let it throw a nasty ball at you. How is he choking up? Anyway. Um, just to stay on the topic, though, um, like, when it comes to gov- governments and authorities and such, I'm thinking about how, like, there are so many people in our political system, uh, and in terms of, like, like, not just politically, but also, like, news or, um, or whatnot, and so, like, there are so many various perspectives, various things, like laws and whatnot. Um, laws and whatnot that goes, like, goes on in that little space in general. And so it could be also be really divisive. So I guess in a way that, like, the second half of Romans, or should I say Romans, Romans 13, was says love fulfills the law, like that section as a whole, and as well as the end of chapter 12, was that do not repay evil with evil, but pay evil with good, or overcome evil with good, in the sense that having that, I guess, like what Jesus did, what Yeshua did when he was brought to, um, what's that called, the governors at that time? When it comes to, like, when he got spat on, spit at, and just, like, and handed over to, like, the authorities. Um, and so, I guess, having that, Christ's, like, humil- humility and just, and actually standing firm. So, my question is, like, with this, it's how can we re- re- man? How can we maintain firm in Christ since humility, um, humility, humility, and also remain generous and kind when we are underneath or these authorities, the governments that trying to that's trying to push ideals, rules, laws, regula- regulation, regulation uh, that contradicts or goes against the Bible. You're asking an age-old question, my friend. Um, yeah. The answer is always going to be, look at Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. He did not allow the evil of the surrounding authorities, right, to influence how he responded or reacted. He determined what he would do, regardless of how other people would respond. Um, in other words, he cho- he like literally committed himself. Of course, being perfect love, it kind of gives him the upper hand. But he committed to loving regardless um, of what he knew they would do to him. He knew they would drive nails through his wrists and ankles. He knew they would spit on him. He knew that they would throw out, you know, scorning remarks and mock him and, and yell, crucify him and, and say, come on down from there. We thought you were actually like, were loved by God. He knew all that. And so, so he decided to love prior to all that in the midst of it. And you and I have to like, of course, follow Jesus, of course, keep our eyes on him. But also like, I have to decide before it happens that I will love people because God has loved me. <clears throat> because if I don't decide that right now, then I will only love people to the level that they love me. And Jesus goes, well, don't the Gentiles do that? What makes you extra special? And so as a believer, uh, what is most helpful is to keep your eyes on Christ, meditate on his sacrifice daily, and let your interactions with people be a response to God's love, like real time when people are rude to me and I have an opportunity to like 
I don't know, jab at them. I have to stop, like, before I do anything or say anything, I have to stop and actually consider the love of God for me so that I'm responding to his love and not their evil towards me. Because if you mm-hmm. respond to their evil, it's going to be reactive and you're going to reciprocate the evil they gave to you. But, you know, I'm always trying to reciprocate the love of Jesus. And you have to decide that beforehand, not in the middle, <laughs> not, not once you're in the middle of it going, ah, I'm really under some pressure here. You have to decide when life sucks, when people are jerks, when the government turns its back on God, that I will love the way Jesus loved me, and I will always respond to his sacrifice, not people's wrong against me. Um, but I'm sure someone else wants to share. It's a good question. And it has his hand up. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I, I just wanted to add to that, man. So, um, so I think this is one of those situations where, uh, especially in our, uh, you know, modern uh, Christianity, we we sort of confuse kindness with harmlessness, right? And the idea that in in no way uh, as Christians should we ever, yes, we are commanded to be kind, but we shouldn't go down the path of being harmless, right? And that's because we wear things like the belt of truth and breastplate of righteousness, that helmet of salvation. So, in you know, we cannot allow um, the, you know, this idea that uh, we shouldn't be offensive, right? There's a difference, obviously, between being offensive and being rude in the way you come off. But if that's what's stifling us or how we stand in the face of, of that kind of wickedness, like that's, I think that's where you have to, realize that I, I I'm I'm in no way harmless but I will be kind and in the fact that we've we just we wear those uh that armor every day um those are the three we don't take off ever um so there's so obviously you know look to Christ but but don't confuse the kindness with with being harmless cuz we're not that i mean the 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 gospel is offensive to the wicked i mean that's bottom line yeah, just by standing on the truth, it will very much anger people. Like just, just know that you could do your best to love people. You that does not guarantee they'll answer you with more love. They might actually answer you with more rage, and they want to do harm to you, um, because the gospel and the truth and the God we represent deeply offends them. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just something can't, that can't be avoided. But like Bennett said, there's a there's a fine line between being rude, right, and just being loving, and that happens to be offensive to them. I, I can't control how they receive my love, um, but I can sure control how I present the gospel and, and the love I have for people, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's where, you know, you kind of, it's easy once you look at that and you, I will love this person, but I want to hear and discern and analyze their ideas. What's, 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 what's being communicated? What is the message? Because if I can focus on that and level my truth and grace on what's coming out, that's where I can love the person, challenge the ideas and their thoughts at the same time. And if, you, if you guys want practical like, advice, go read Stephen about Stephen in Acts chapter uh, Go read about Paul when he's standing before Felix, when he's standing before um, all the different you know rulers and how he presents himself. What Those are clearly like uh, people who are not for God and they have a lot of power. Notice how Paul conducts himself, what he says, how he presents the gospel. Same with Jesus on trial uh, before the high priest, before the Romans. Notice how... These great men, Jesus himself, of course, how they respond, how they conduct themselves, and meditate on that, and pray that God would help you embody that. Because frankly, like, we're all going to be faced with moments, right, where we're going to be under the pressure of giving in and letting evil overcome us. And in those moments, uh, it's really going to depend on how deeply. I've meditated on um, the love of Christ for me. Mm. It really is going to come down to that. And um, 
it, you don't just, I think too many Christians are like, they're not intentionally preparing for the situations that are inevitably coming their way. They think they'll just, they'll have time in the, once the situation arises, they're like, well, I'll figure it out when I get there or when it happens. You won't, you'll be scrambling. You'll, you'll be scrambling for something you don't have or you haven't learned because you didn't put the work in and the practice in up front and the preparation didn't go into it. And so you're going to be overcome. But if you prepare now, if you meditate on the love of Christ now and seek God now while he may be found, you're setting yourself up for victory when these moments come because they are coming. I promise you that. Um, and the people who are ready are the people who have been sitting at the feet of Jesus long enough, right, to know how he would respond in those situations. Um, so just simple answer, uh, Christian, just know Jesus, like intimately and personally on a familiar level, know him. You, you'll do great. <clears throat> Joshua. Thanks, what a reminder. Um, yeah, I just came across this prayer that the um, the apostles, after they healed the blind man in Acts chapter 4, uh, they're being threatened of being persecuted and killed if they continue to preach the name of Christ. And they said... In the middle of this prayer, for, I don't want to read the whole thing because it's kind of long, but for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So this is where God's name is glorified, is in the face of this persecution, in the face of the world saying evil is good. Is um, proclaiming the name of Jesus boldly and doing what he commands us. And um, still abiding by the law as long as it's not against you know god's commands because obviously god's commands are above everything and the law is love it's ultimately over top of everything but i thought that little prayer there was helpful and it also spoke to the um the topic at hand pretty well i mean he highlights the fact that God put both Herod and Pontius Pilate in place and to do whatever his hand and his plan had predestined to take place. So God's not up there in heaven going, oh no, what am I going to do now? Uh, Biden got elected. Like, he's got it under control. Yeah, I don't, uh, we all have preferences, and I mean, this can go down all the way to the level of, you know, Biden, no Biden, mask, no mask, it's, it's ultimately a, a, an issue that can become divisive, this whole, how far do we, t do we allow the government to, you know, take us, and uh, Paul is more concerned with, hey, um, I know you're concerned with the government and what's going on and what they're instituting and the laws they're making. How are you going to respond regardless of who's in charge? How will you respond? Because if I only really take up my sword spiritually and only really claim Jesus under the pressure, right? So I can be some kind of superhero. Um, but like <laughs> when things are easy, uh, I kind of lean on myself uh, there's a disconnect there. I should lean just as much on him when, I don't know, my president's uh, the one who's sitting in that seat as much as I am leaning on Christ when the person I didn't want to get elected is. You know, so it just, I think, I don't know, these smaller situations have a great way of exposing where we're really at uh, in our faith and what we can really 
um, adjust and because I, I feel that, man, like uh, when things aren't going my way, I'm like, God, I'm going to really lean on you. When things are going my way, I kind of take my hands off a little bit um, and I don't lean into him as much. And so you wonder what, how God uses these kinds of things. Well, one of the ways is that his people lean on him more. Um, and frankly, I know some people hate this, but I'm thankful for that little extra reason to cling tighter to God. Um, I'm thankful for that pressure. I'm thankful that my preferences don't always get met um, because I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I want to be in a place where I am so aware of how much I need God. And if you take yeah. it from me, I, I start to wander. I get prideful. I lean on myself. I trust in my own wisdom. And we all know that's garbage. I should probably not do that. But, you know, that's just one of the ways God, that God will use government authorities regardless of, you know, whether or not we're for them. But let's keep reading. Unless I missed a hand, you can inform me that I missed it. And I'll Ken. call on whoever was next. <clears throat> Ken? Did you say Ken? Yeah, yeah, just said it. Let's go, Ken. Just to tack on to what you were saying to response to uh, Rocky is, is that part of discipleship is being built up. When we find ourselves not knowing the answers to something in the Bible, in scripture, what it means, how it relates to the old Testament, what it means inwardly, even to circumstances that are going currently in our life. When we have these questions, write them down, go study it, go ask an elder, go ask a brother, go ask somebody what does this mean? This is what I've learned today. Go back, study it again. Keep doing it until you are built up in it. So as we learn typical extra, uh, typical curriculum, same thing, we can apply that to our biblical understanding. When you have a question, say, I don't know. Be humble about it. Go find out what it is. Love that Papa reminder. Good old Papa Ken. Guys, let's try and uh, at least get through verse 7, right? Papa Preacher. Uh, we kind of glossed over verse 4. I guess I'll read it. For he is God's servant. Um, for your good. Notice how when God gives authority, there's a purpose behind it. But people don't always... Uh, use what God has given them for the right reasons. So God intends to give authority and power for the good of people. People abuse that. But if you do wrong, be afraid. He doesn't bear the sword for nothing. He's the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, again, that's the ideal. That's why God institutes these things and gives people the authority he does, is to protect, to care for, to shepherd um, to provide you know, justice and uh, keep evil down. <laughs> Verse 5, Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect to whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. And then he'll kind of shift into this kind of loving the church um, and putting on the Lord Jesus. Any questions, comments on just that little section of O oh, <clears throat> oh, people, I don't know what they're owed. And then verse 8. It's going to real, quick, real quick, uh, uh, one of the Greek words there. Um, what verse was it? Sorry. Um, word, verse 6. For because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants. This is an ESB of God devoting themselves to this very thing. So that particular word there is uh, Lytorgos, which is uh, a minister or he that ministers in the first uh, biblical usage is a public minister, a servant of the state. It can also be of the temple, but the first and primary one is 
public ministers uh, or a servant of the state. Good old Greek. Keep it coming. All right. We're going to verse 8. Oh my gosh, are we going to finish the whole chapter? No. Don't tease me. We got 15. <laughs> oh, man. Verse 8, it says, Oh, no one anything um, except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Hold on. Verse 7 <laughs> talks about the uh, pay what is owed. And then verse 8 says, Oh, no one anything. Is that because I've paid them what, the, what is owed? Um, and I, I leave no balance open, right? Or what's going on there? Well, I think he's talking specifically <clears throat> about the fact that the love God has shown us um, is always, always, always deserving of responsive love reciprocated, meaning there's always, always reason for me to love someone. Um, now, of course, that's going to be uh, I don't know. There's a lot of nuance that goes into that conversation, but God has given me more than enough reason to love everyone in front of me. Um, so I might think, well, this person has given me no reason to love them. They've given me the opposite. You know, they've abused my trust over and over and over. And there's degrees of access you give people, right? Not everyone has equal access to you. Not, you're not equally close to everyone, right? But the fact of the matter is, I always have more reason to love because God has given me more reason than I do to choose evil or hatred. And so what I technically owe uh, God, you might say, is the love he asks us to give to other image bearers of God. Um, so Rocky Chan, you want to touch on that? Or you just flexing your giant hands on us? What's going on? Everyone welcome Rocky Chan, giant hand. I, I will actually... I would like to uh, take a stab at that, actually. Well, not a stab, I guess a holy hand to that. Um, so, I guess basically, the, um, could you, could you repeat, repeat? Apparently, I can't talk tonight. I'm sorry, guys. But, um, could you repeat that, like, last bit of statement that you said, uh, Jason? Uh, just that we might think we have reason to hate someone or treat them poorly. Right. I always have, we always have more reason to love because God has given us more reason. Okay. So I guess from my uh, personal experience just to like, not to like take really long with it or to try my best to like concise it. Uh, so I guess like basically from my uh, personal experience from like, um, I guess, family relationships and whatnot or just relationships in general like we can be hurt by someone emotionally but for a really long time but that doesn't um let's see so like we could be we can hurt being hurt by people it's in and in inevitable unfortunately but of course, we are humans, and it's normal to feel emotions such as hurt, sadness, pain, fear, um, anxiety, etc. However, like, thankfully, thank the good Lord, the gracious Lord, that we have the Psalms. David felt all those emotions, and including Yeshua, who has dwelt among the earth. Besides, he, David says in one of his Psalms that he is near to the brokenhearted. And so, when we cling on to the world, we cling on substances, if that's the right word to use, to medicate those emotions instead of actually dealing with the root cause of those emotions and those pains and etc., then we won't be healed unless we bring it and lay down to the foot of the cross. Now, with that being said, it can also go with forgiveness as well. Even though we may not feel like we want to forgive that person for how much, you know, that person has hurt us or damaged us. But, but look at what 
And I'm sure that many of you guys have seen the Passion of the Christ and how badly wounded uh, Christ was in that movie and how much it impacted you or it impacted him going through all that. But he still chose to forgive. I think that's the most hardest thing uh, that uh, even the world can't comprehend forgiveness despite all of the pain and suffering that we go through and and like in the to sum it all up it's really the joy it's for us to take joy in the midst of suffering in the midst of all kinds of various trials and tribulations as james 1 verse 2 would say so i guess it's overall to choose and to forgive and choose and to give it to God even if it's really painful and that's something that I am currently currently walking through um during this season of my life. It's like I I love listening to music and and etc. but I think the Lord is like really teaching me to go through and and as to process these emotions. Cause it's normal for us to just be sheltered up and comforted. But at the end of the day, it's better to take joy and take it day by day and take it slow. The Lord understands. Yeah. That's that's about it. I wasn't sure if you were done. I always want to let you speak as long as you need to, buddy. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Yeah. It seems like my dreams aren't coming true tonight, and we're not finishing a chapter for the first time in this community's history. Uh, We'll make history another night, but we'll at least get to verse 8. That's good. The one who fulfills the law is the one who loves one another. Um, There's another uh, similar statement, I believe, that's made in Romans chapter 2. I'm going to try and find it. Talks about how the the Gentiles who end up believing the gospel, they end up uh, being doers of the law, and they show that the law of God is written on their hearts. Um, I'll have to find it. But the point is that, um, I don't know, someone could read verse 8 and be like, ah, so if I just love well enough then I can fulfill the law. That's actually not what he's saying. (laughs) He's not giving you like uh, the standard, like just go love just enough and then you'll earn salvation. This has already been established throughout this letter that no one can be good enough. Jesus has done it for us. But once you're a new creation, technically the law of God has been fulfilled uh, in Christ and that applies to you. I think it's Romans 8 also talks about how Christ has fulfilled the law and then we through him also have fulfilled the law too Romans 8 4 the requirement of the law has been fulfilled in us and so I think from a place of already fulfilling the law through faith in Christ we are now able to go and love people not to add to Jesus's work not to replace it but simply to respond to it and when we love people we're actually proving right when we love with the love that God has for us, we're proving that, yeah, his law is written on our hearts. We have fulfilled that. So I'm not loving to fulfill the law in place of Christ. I'm loving because that law is written on my heart and because I fulfilled it through Christ. Um, and that's the fruit, is, is love. Um, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Any questions? Uh, Grogu. G-R-O-G-U. Grogu, Grogu, that's you. In verse 8, I mean, what you were saying about how somebody can look at verse 8 and go, oh, I just need to love. Yeah, well, look at what love is used there. It's the agapeo, the highest form of sacrificial love. So you think think, think that one's easy. Go ahead, try it. <laughs> if you think you're going to get up easy, you know, for somebody who thinks that, oh, that's no big deal. Really? Look at what form of love it is. Except to love agapeo one another. It's the same love that husbands are told to love their wives with, to the point where he would give his life for her. He surrenders, comes a servant. 
it's not so easy when you understand it in that light. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, someone adds, there is no fear in love. Yeah, absolutely. There's security. And that gives me the ability to love freely, right? Because I'm already secure. I'm already taken care of, man. So I can go and take care of others. People who are insecure find it very difficult uh, to love others the way Christ has loved them because there's that potential, uh, I don't know, there's the opportunity that maybe my love won't be reciprocated. Maybe they'll treat me terribly and I won't get the love I'm hoping for in return. Well, you already have all the love you need in Christ. God loves you way better than anyone ever could. Um, and his love is fulfilling, right? So I don't need to kind of watch my back. And what if I'm not loved in return? And what if I don't get mine? God has my back. I'm satisfied in him. So I can go and love even if they don't love me back. We can. It's possible. And I think we've all had glimpses of that in our life. Where it's like, dang, like I, I really loved that person. There was no selfish ambition. I wasn't trying to gain something from them. I wasn't trying to look good for that girl. Like I genuinely cared for them. <laughs> wow. That was really fulfilling. That was like what I'm made for. You know, we've had moments of that. Imagine living like that every moment of your life. They're just being so satisfied by the love of God. Um, you have more than enough to give and you'll never deplete the source, right? Because his love is infinite. So I can freely give knowing that he'll keep supplying. I'm not looking for someone else to make up for the lack of love I have. And so when you're secure, you can go and love. Random tangent. Any other closing thoughts? Uh, I got to that Grogu guy. Rocky Chan went to bed. <clears throat> green. I am green. How do I love without selfish ambitions? Practically? Uh, Self-awareness. Um, you have to be aware of where and how you're selfish and even uh, like recognize that. So I, I would pray for discernment for sure. Um, I would ask God to give me a pure love. So I'd prayer, fasting, uh, know the love of Jesus, know Christ. I can't just like um, manufacture selflessness. I can't just manipulate myself into having no selfish ambition, right? But I can choose to ignore that selfish ambition. Like, you can choose to ignore it and deny it and not let it dictate your decisions. Um, and then, I don't know, there's so many ways I could answer it, but I'll answer it now. Like the morning dew. Go ahead. Gospel. It's an acronym for God's only son proving eternal love on the cross. That's right. The, the gospel. The better you know the gospel, the more natural his love will be uh, to you. It won't be this forced thing. It doesn't mean there's not going to ever be this difficulty and tension, right? It doesn't mean it's just always going to happen naturally without my effort. But it does mean the more I know him, the more I begin to imitate him naturally, right? The more I sit in God's love and meditate on that and know it, it that just becomes a natural part of who I am. And I don't even have to like force it. I just, his love flows through me. Um, so I would say no, no the father. Matt, you get to close us out, buddy. You're the last guy. No pressure, but everyone's expecting so much. I'm just kidding. Go ahead, buddy. Can you guys hear me all right? I can. Okay. Um, I, I'm sorry. I was. I literally just joined. Um, uh, you guys will be happy to know that this pursuit that started on this Discord channel actually has resulted in uh, quite a bit of time spent with youth and trying to lead them to Christ. I actually just got done with another meeting, not to prioritize them over you, but uh, it's a local church uh, that invited me to, to partake more in 
um, like a leadership position uh, with their youth, with their middle school and high schoolers. So, but anyways, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Um, but to awesome. answer the answer the question directly, uh, just restate it one more time, just so I because I'm pretty sure I caught it. Um, I'll be honest, I completely forget. It's how do we have no self ambition? Oh yeah, how do I love without selfish ambition? That's what someone asked. How do you love without selfish ambition? And maybe so, add, maybe add without being overly analytical. Yeah. Well, um, recently at the end of our Bible journey, our ninety-day Bible study, um, I read John eight and nine, and it it hits on this pretty hard because uh, you know Jesus for two chapters is talking to uh, people. Uh, it was he healed a man and told him to get up and walk walk home. And the people that are questioning him about it, he's telling them, you know, I'm God, <laughs> pretty much, you know. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> and uh, it, it's Jesus. And then you're like, man, you you had a really hard time doing that, you know, and you, you're asking me to come do this, you know. And in, and in reality, he didn't have a hard time at all. He did exactly what he needed to because he relied on one thing. And he states it in several different ways. He relied on what his father was giving him. The words that he was saying came from his father. So we have to we have to look to Jesus and ask him, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to love this person? And and we need to we need to want to to ask Jesus and or you know go to the scripture. We need to want to to love the way Jesus loved. And it was by the words that his father gave him. And that, and that and that's how I feel that that's how we're supposed to approach people. We're supposed to approach people with an open ear to God and and listening for the Holy Spirit, not necessarily even our own thoughts, you know. But but we even though Jesus showed up and these people didn't believe him right away, there was a reason why he was there and he still showed up and he still spoke, you know. And and how else could you do that without without the Father's words, you know, and not that that's necessarily proof for us that we are using the Father's words, but if you want to know how to open your ear to the Holy Spirit, if you want, or or recognizing that you don't want to, you know, and but you know you should want to, and then so either nurturing the, the desire, but you have to go through Christ, right, and ask him, how do I have this desire to want to listen to the Holy Spirit, or deepening the desire that you already have to for people who have been walking with Christ that, you know, to, to deepen that desire to, to have your ear open to Christ. And I believe the more attention we spend on, on Christ, the more we will learn how to keep our attention on him, even through something as difficult as a conversation, you know, because as someone that's trying to relay a message to someone they honestly care about, and the topic is, it's hard, it's difficult. You know, your brain's working in so many different ways. How can you do anything else but think about what you're saying? You know, but it, at the end of the day, it's not you. Jesus through you. He knows how to love people. I can only imagine how to love people. I can only go to God to ask, how do I love people? And I can only want to love people. But I can rely on Jesus' capability to love people. So even if I might fail, he will succeed through me, you know, and, but we, we have to want Jesus. And, and the more we love ourselves, the way Jesus tells us to, the more we go to Jesus, the more we're capable and able to love our neighbor. You know, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor, you know, and how do you love without selfish ambition? Well, you don't just love your neighbor and hate yourself. Or hate your neighbor and love yourself. When you're capable of loving your neighbor, you love your neighbor as yourself. You, you then are simultaneously capable of loving yourself. When you're capable of loving your neighbor. And, you know, <laughs> words, you know, we, we each hear these words based off of our own experience. What I'm saying, you you may not even 
understand the message that I want to relay to you. But at the end of the day, if you go, God, can you relay the message to me? Because this guy didn't make any sense. Because I know I should be able to love my neighbor, but I find myself incapable. You know, can you show me how to love? But he, he can tell you better than, than anyone. <laughs> you know, and you go to his words. You always go to Jesus and you ask him every time for everything. You know, and, and you don't just do it. You figure out how to want to do it. Figure out how you can't figure it out. Figure out how you need to trust Jesus to want Jesus, you know, because he'll make it possible. Regardless, despite you, he makes it possible. Just so leaning on Jesus, I guess, would be my overall answer. And amen. Amen.